Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social Work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. Welcome to Series 8 of Helpful Social Work. I'm Jo. And I'm Jerry, and we're going to be recording Series 8 during 2023 to 2024. Uh, we've just been thinking about what the most important thing is to focus in on at the moment and decided that talking about sustainable social work in terms of how we look after ourselves uh, is probably the right thing to be doing. Um, we're in a very pressurised context, uh, but social work is a real privilege and a real joy as well to do and a vital part of not just managing the current context but also building a better society and a better world and we were talking in our review of the year about how inspiring it is to see the way that social workers are bringing expertise to struggle and to lobbying and advocating for progress Uh, so we want to talk about maintaining ourselves in this context and we're going to be drawing on evidence of what helps social workers to thrive and to sustain themselves, including working conditions toolkit that uh, the British Association of Social Workers produced. So this podcast is kind of our overview podcast. We're going to talk about some of the areas that are important around sustainability and social work. And then we'll go in and home in on different elements um, in the remaining podcasts of the series. We're aiming to do 10 podcasts for series eight. And hopefully we'll be able to highlight some of the strategies, uh, some of the the evidence and the ideas uh, that social workers bring to sustaining themselves within this field. Yeah, and we're really keen um, to do some podcasts with guests, so social workers who want to talk about what helpful social work means for them. I mean, I've really enjoyed um, the ones we've done so far, and I think there's such a lot people can offer and such a lot we can all learn from. So if you'd like to do this, please get in touch. And that's from from any country, any of our listeners, you know, you can reach us through our website, www.helpfulsocialwork.com. And um, we've got a podcast coming out later this month with Paul Bridgewater. And he's a social worker on Ascension Island. I really loved speaking to him, Jerry. It was just such an interesting yeah, the, the podcast. The tech was, was epic, wasn't it? Trying to get a signal to Ascension Island. <laughs> And I think we could have just kept talking and talking. We were mindful of you, dear listeners, so we didn't. Um, But really interesting social worker, really interesting and lovely person. Um, So, yeah, hello to everyone out there who's doing social work in remote places. For this topic, um, we thought we'd start with some definitions, because what we're talking about here is um, sustaining ourselves in social work. And sustain means to keep in existence, to supply with necessities or nourishment, to support spirits, to keep from falling. And it comes from the word sub and tenery, which I did look up before, but now have forgotten. And it means um, to hold from below. So there's this idea for me of scaffolding and also of building a foundation. So having... um, some real strong set of principles or must-haves that underpin your approach and your actions as a social worker. And I but kind of – my mind started moving towards the um, social graces as well and um, 
the window, you know, the unspoken and unseen things that hold you up. So I thought that this would be an interesting thing for us to start thinking about, you know, what, what's holding us up. And we're also thinking about the idea of thriving and thrive, which is a great word, isn't it? it means to grow vigorously or to prosper. And it has a root meaning from the word to grasp. So it's about taking hold of something, you know, really grabbing it with both hands and flourishing. And that does also chime with my my feeling and my experience and understanding of social work as something that you really do grab hold of, take hold of. It's not something that you kind of enter into timidly or tiptoe around. You kind of throw yourself into it. And that led me to think about um, the analogy with sport, which is also something where you use your whole self and the kinds of things that you need when you're doing sport. Um, so an understanding of the way that the sport is played, uh, training and practice, teammates um, or people to encourage you, um, a coach, uh, so people who know, <laughs> know how to do things and the kind of basics around energy and food and water and rest. So uh, all of those things do seem to have a parallel to social work. You're looking after your physical self, your mental self, having that kind of um, practice and understanding and having the encouragement and the support of others around you. Hopefully some people to cheer you on from the sidelines as well. Yeah. And a team cat and I, a mascot. <laughs> Very important. And, um, and I love your idea that it isn't a timid undertaking. I think I think that's right. It's not. You do have to put everything into it and your head, your heart, your hands, your feet, you know, your whole self um, like you do with sport. And, and at times, um, sorry, Joe, just, I'm just interrupting, but at times you have to take your whole self out of it as well. And go for a walk or sit yeah. on the sofa or switch off. Uh, yeah, and that's knowing when to rest, isn't it? And that's really important in sport. Um, if you think about like long distance running or something like that, you need to know when you're kind of just moving along slowly and when you're actually um, going full tilt and you've got to know when to, yeah, when to do that. So judging yourself and judging your your own reserves is is really important yeah and um there's some similar elements to this uh in the working conditions toolkit they haven't quite framed it as a, a sporting thing it's a lovely piece of work it was written by Baswa, the social work union and bath spa university in 2020 and it's been updated since with learning from the COVID 19 pandemic and it's for anyone who's in a social work role and it has something, um, a kind of a statement that I'd like to read out because I think it's, a, it's really good. It says, knowledge is power. So knowing your rights at work and the evidence of what constitutes a healthy workplace, understanding what is most likely to work in self-care and knowing more about how managers and employers can support you better are all important and can make a big difference. And so the toolkit has been developed to help you feel more confident um, about making your workplace needs known um, and acting to make changes for yourself where you can. So it's all about what you can do both individually and what we can ask for and expect from others. And of course, Jerry, if we go back to that sporting analogy um, and you've talked about, you know, there's a coach, there's a team, there's um, people around to support and cheer. And there's also your knowledge of yourself when to go hard, when to pull back, when to eat, when to rest. Um, and so it's it's kind of, I see a reflection between between the two approaches there. Yeah, the toolkit covers the whole 
kind of integrated model, a model that brings all these different factors together that need to be in place. So they're all important and they all work to reinforce and support each other, like we were talking about with those underpinnings or that scaffolding. Um, so it's taking care of and empowering yourself, accessing professional development and being part of a wider professional community. Um, talks about benefiting from a trade union and representation and voice. Uh, and then the support around practice supervision, team support, good management and organisational leadership. Um, I don't know if you if you can cast your mind back, Joe, to series one and two of Helpful Social Work when we we're talking about the ecological um, model of, of how social workers work and thinking about yourself and your colleagues and your organisation and the public, you yeah. know, kind of the layers. Yeah. So there's there's an echo back to that as well, isn't there? Yeah, and I think I think that that's no accident, is it? Because social work, I mean, there's many professions, of course, we're not the only profession, but for social workers, you're constantly attending to the systems that you find yourself in and the systems that the people you're working with find themselves in and thinking about, you know, your response and the response of others and how, how they interact. So I, th I think that that's, that's why that echoes there. Um, yeah, and it makes sense that you need to attend to the to support you can draw from both yourself and others as well, yeah, and the system. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not a solo trip. It's a, it is a real team sport, I think, social work. Um, and it's one of the things I love about the toolkit is that it really talked to social workers. So they did two surveys and they got over five thousand respondents, um, and so they got a really nice understanding of the types of stresses and strains that were in the system. And so they were able to identify a number of, um, of, of um, I guess, conditions that are common in social work that really put social workers under stress. And um, that mismatch between the resources and the demand was really high, a lack of role clarity and boundaries, and then that lack of control over workload or decisions. They talked about insufficient or inappropriate training and development. And I would add to that kind of sometimes mistimed training and development. So you've been struggling with something and then you finally get the training when it, when you're finally feeling a bit disempowered. Um, the scapegoating and blame cultures, and unfortunately we've seen a bit of that in the um, pushback from the government this week. Social workers are trying to talk about the difficulties of their work. There's been some responses. Not all of them have been helpful. Um, and we need to come to a place where we can really talk about what's happening without scapegoating or blaming each other. Uh, poor or unsuitable management methods. Um, I mean, I've been a manager in social work, and I think that sometimes I've been good and sometimes I've been woeful and everything in between. And understanding as a manager where you get your supports from and how your experience impacts on the people you're working with is so important. Inadequate supervision. Um, supervision remains critical and good supervision. We shouldn't be out there making decisions by ourselves. And then inadequate support following serious incidences such as an assault or a death um, and making sure that we're really attending to all the people who are involved in that incident as well as thinking about how it happened is, is very important. So these are some of the things that the toolkit um, defined as particular stresses in our area. Yeah, and it makes sense, doesn't it? Because social work is a, is a pressurised job. And so 
inevitably the support things that are needed are going to be pressurized as well um so you know they're, they're really important but they're also under their own pressure and constraints uh, and the other thing that the the research uh, around working conditions for social workers highlighted was um particular issues around uh, equality um and um inclusion so people from different uh, minoritized groups experiencing additional pressure um, mm. both organizationally and also in terms of how they were working with service users and racism was highlighted as one of those um, you know, additional factors that was really undermining people's well-being um, there's also a kind of built-in stressor around social work acting as a um, as a gatekeeper and how you manage that particularly when there's constraints mm. around resources and also um, the the issue of kind of social workers trying to kind of hold hope for people and protect human rights um, and so when the context around social work um, is pressured politically economically socially that impacts on on the ability to kind of act as that beacon of hope mm. and raises all these kind of ethical and moral dilemmas yeah i, th I think that um COVID is another thing that we shouldn't forget. It, it has brought us both incredible challenges um, and benefits, and it's also brought personal trauma and difficulties for people because, you know, every social worker out there, one, you know, a lot of them still kept doing the job they'd always done, and two, they also were going through losing people or having vulnerable people around them or feeling vulnerable themselves. Um, and so there has been research done about the impact of COVID, and I don't know that we've addressed it fully yet. It feels to me a little bit like we we don't we're not quite ready yet to have really good conversations about. Oh, what I happened. think we're still living it um, at yeah. the moment. Um, yeah, and you see it coming out in things like people leaving the profession, or people, um, or levels of stress, um, or. Um, yeah, I mean, there's strike action in the UK as well, and that's linked to the impact of um, COVID pressures on morale and well-being and workload that is making it really, really tricky, and if not impossible, for people to mm. do their day, day-to-day, day-to-day work. Yeah, and I think, I think also too, Jerry, we got, we were really frightened. We got frightened, and that kind of national fear doesn't just go away. Um, and, you know, social workers actually were seeing those inequalities unfold before them. They had little direct control or power to intervene. You know, there was that fear and potential distress at not being able to provide services and protection to individuals and families, a fear of not being able to comply with statutory requirements. Um, and alongside that, there was the digital innovations. I mean, I thought I thought social work and indeed many professions in this country were amazing the way they kind of stepped up to using um, to using digital and remote working to get things done and, you know, changing their skills and really, you know, I've seen some really lovely pieces of work with people like literally reaching through the screen to reassure each other. Um, but that that way of working is also raise some ethical and moral dilemmas 
Um, so I do think that we really need to recognise the achievement of social work through the pandemic and these, as you rightly say, continuing difficult times and really think about the impact and the legacy. Because right now there's still more people working from home um, and that can be both positive and difficult because we need to make sure that in this team sport we don't start to feel very remote from each other. Um, you know, there's more online training, there's people moving from space to space without breaks in between. And I'm really looking forward to seeing some research and impact studies on how this has affected the efficacy of our practice, particularly the relational element. Um, I do think it's great to be able to have some meetings online and that can increase participation actually. But I also need, think we need to understand when it's best to meet face to face. Um, so I think that it will be, you know, Baswa and others I know are doing research about the impact of COVID and I really look forward to us having ongoing conversations about how that has impacted on us as practitioners and people. Yeah, and I think that starting point of recognising that this is tricky work in a really tricky context is important because it maybe gives people some permission and some reassurance um, to to feel that it's difficult um, mm. and to take steps. I mean, that's the big thing, isn't it? It's that um, you know, realisation that it's it's your kind of right to look after yourself and to be yeah. supported. Um, and the really positive thing in the research that's been done around social work working conditions is that alongside that um, very high set of demands and challenges and stresses, which is you know higher than for comparable professions um, using the, the sort of scale looking at those different areas of stress there is also a higher level of support and the support coming specifically from peers and supervisors managers um, but particularly peer support there's a real um, ethos and practice in social work of looking out for each other and there's also really good research about the um, the sense of rewards so that comes through in this um, in this work you know, that, that social workers feel a high sense of reward from the job uh, but also Baz was recently done a sort of state of social work survey and the majority of social workers are happy being social workers and doing social work it's mm -hmm. um, a sense a source of uh, motivation and you know, potentially inspiration for them um, and that's brilliant. So it's really about building on those positives and trying to reduce the stresses. And some of those stresses are, are more within our control or influence than others. Um, but the the positives are huge that people who are social workers, we social workers like being social workers and we look out for each other. I think that's just absolutely fantastic. Mm. And that makes me think, Jerry, about the wonderful professional support service that um, Baswa started actually during the um, COVID, where social volunteered their time to act as coaches for other social workers in the profession who needed support on, on anything at all. So that coaching service. And that was, you know, that's a real generosity from people who are, you know, uh, swimming in the in the same pools as their colleagues, but who are also stepping out to offer something back. 
um, and a lot of what they talk about when you when we ask someone why are you doing this is um, that they find it really inspiring and they find it great to you know reflect and talk about social work with other social workers um, so that's really good so I was just to say one of the things I found quite helpful in the um, yeah. in the toolkit is the language of accountability that um, we have an accountability to professionally to look after ourselves and ask for the things that we need but also we have an accountability um, to look out for each other and an accountability mm -hmm. when we have um, role power or um, you know particular responsibilities in our jobs to support the um, to support our colleagues you know so if you're a supervisor supporting your supervisees um, and that that kind of reaches through through the structures um, and mm -hmm. so it's not there is an individual um, element to it, which I see as more about giving a very clear signal of permission that it's OK to look after yourself. Um, but then the accountability of looking after each other and using the, the power that you have um, and the influence that you have is very clear as well. Yeah, I saw a great infographic the other day, Jerry, which helped me think about what was in my control and what was outside of it. And it highlighted the following things that they say, these are things that are in your control. My boundaries, my thoughts and actions, the goals I set, what I give energy to, how I speak to myself and how I handle challenges. And I found that to be a really helpful framework it's very empowering. It also makes you feel a bit uncomfortable because it helps you to realise that actually there are lots of things inside your control. And, and I do think sometimes it's easier to kind of push all the blame for struggles and difficulties on outside forces. And it's really healthy to attribute the right systems pressure to the right places and not take everything on yourself. But there is, it's also important to understand our responses to external stimuli that are within our control and crucial to our resilience and what we get out of life. And, and for me, a lot of the work we do is about transferring those types of skills that help us um, thrive despite adversities and, and moving them through to other people so that they can do the same. So I, I found that little infographic really helpful um in terms of thinking about that yeah and it fits with the idea of resilience as being something that is an interaction um, between your yeah. response and your coping strategies and also the potential that you have and the support you have around you to develop strategies um, or to take away stresses and um, you know provide uh, enablers to respond to things yeah yeah, and I, I like that idea. It's like, you know, because sustainability um, is this kind of, you know, idea of the, the person in the context, but then what it is that you use to kind of um, build yourself up. And so I was kind of thinking, well, what sustains me? Um, and the first thing that came to my mind was really a clear sense of purpose. Um, I understand how the role I'm now playing in social work is important to me and to the people I serve. So in my case, it's my fellow social workers nowadays. You know, I'm advocating for better working conditions. I'm contributing to supporting well-being through coaching, developing and delivering workshops that support better supervision or um, help people 
think about their practice in different ways. And it's really important to me that my efforts link directly back to improve communities of practice and resilience in the workforce, because I then see that link through to a, a stronger workforce, um, to providing better help for people who need it. And that might all sound a bit kind of grandiose when you say it out loud, but that's what motivates me to keep working in the field. Um, and it fits with my own sense of myself and my morals and beliefs. And I think um, this is uh, there's a lovely Japanese word, which is ikigai. And it's uh, a concept which means your reason for being. And iki in Japanese means life and gai means your value or worth. And your ikigai is your purpose or your bliss. It's what brings you joy or inspires you to get out of bed every day. So it's what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs and what you can be paid for. And I just love kind of thinking about the activities um, and the actions I do kind of link to that. Um, so, yeah, kind of framing your purpose in social work can be very sustaining. Yes, and the overall aim for this series, when we look at the kind of individual elements of the working conditions toolkit of the things that sustain us, is to think about how we can kind of be underpinned and avoid falling and kind of really thrive and prosper. Uh, and so drawing on the working conditions um, toolkit and also you know, some, some of the things that kind of we've been thinking about over the years, we're going to be looking at personal empowerment um, and that some of the things you just talked about in the infographic actually you know how we treat ourselves I guess um, and stand up for ourselves um, the professional development we need the peer support and wider professional support uh, supervision and managerial support organizational support and then kind of wider recognition and respect um, and we'll also be looking at self-care but we're not going to start with self-care because it's we, you know, we want to start with the things that are around um, you know, recognising ourselves as important first and then thinking about all the scaffolding around us and then mm. going back to the strategies at the end, go back to the strategies that we can um, individually take control of uh, so that hopefully there's a kind of uh, a message throughout that this is um, a shared endeavour, that, that we yes. have got agency. Um, and there are things we can do, um, however, it's really... It's not a solo activity, social work. Uh, yeah, I think that's so important, Jerry. And it, because I think the thing with social, well, I mean, and I'm generalising here a little bit, but I, I have, I do work with a lot of social workers. I'm really lucky that way, and they will take, they take a lot on themselves, you know. <laughs> like if there's, um, and so they don't, they don't, they don't need to um, be given invitations to beat themselves up sometimes. You know, and it's about how do we take proportional responsibility and how do we talk about difficult systems effectively um, to advocate for ourselves and for others for change. And for me, it's thriving and living well in this world and helping others do the same. Well, that's both a right and a privilege, you know, and we we need to kind of embrace that. And I was... um talking to someone the other day and they've had a, they've had a pretty tough life I would say and they told me that fair was um what came to the showground once a year and I had a little laugh I could appreciate the sentiment and she was 
trying to say that we don't deserve anything and there's no reason why we should not suffer. And I do agree with her. No human is exceptional. The vagaries of fate, they can touch anyone at any time. But there are structural difficulties within our societies and the way we've set them up that disadvantage some people or disadvantage some professions or, you know, and, and they're, they're not fair. So social work is one of those professions that can actually challenge those structures. And when our lives are touched by the stresses and strains of living, it is really important to have people beside us who can offer both comfort and practical care. And social work is one of the professions that can do that. And they also need to do that for each other from the inside. Um, so to be a social worker requires us to offer that same care and compassion and structural advocacy to ourselves and our fellow professionals. And, and so I, I kind of wanted to leave us thinking about our social work journeys. And, you know, if you think about your social work journey, what is it about your journey in this profession that you honour? What is it about the journey thus far that you would like to lay down, to leave behind? And what is it about the ongoing journey that you can bring with you to help you thrive? And these set of questions were offered to me by um, the North York's principal social worker, Jo Miles, and they're from some of the work that she does. It's called Bridges of Hope. And I thought that these were lovely questions. And if you just take the time to kind of write write your answers down and look at them. It's another way to keep yourself resilient and to start to build that scaffolding. I certainly found them helpful to think about. 